live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City. This is the Jeff Wagner Show. With all due respect, I reject your theory completely. But you know what? There needs to be some backlash to this. This would be disastrous. There really has to be a better way. And I think the biggest question here is, what the hell is going on? The AccuNet Mortgage Talk and Text Line is open now. Give Jeff a call at 414-799-1620. Move for present. Get in the race. Will he run? And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Good afternoon, Wisconsin. Welcome to the show. A fast-paced, eclectic program coming up. Plan to stay tuned for the next three hours. You know, on this program, we criticize elected officials a lot for bad decisions or no decisions that they end up making. And every once in a while, I think it is important to praise politicians for a job well done and for doing the right thing. And there, there's there's a breaking news story out of West Bend. I, I have seen it. The only place I have seen it reported is on on a website called the Washington County Insider, which is run by a a friend of mine and a former colleague. Her her name is Judy Steffes, and she covers things in Washington County. The mayor of West Bend is a guy named Craig Sadonikow, S-A-D-O-W-N-I-K-O-W. Try figuring out how to pronounce that, Gru. S-A-D-O-N-I-K-O-W. I-K-O-W. I, I think it's like, I, I've met him, I've only met him one time. And so I, I, th- I think the way it is, it's kind of like, think sat on a cow. That's kind of it, sat on a cow. Anyways, he he is a business person in West Bend. Um, he's the president of American companies, and they're, they're a developer. So that that's what he does in real life. Um, he has been the mayor of West Bend since 2011. The mayor has three-year terms. He was elected in 2011, overwhelmingly reelected in 2014, ran unopposed in 2017, and his term was supposed to expire next April. West Bend, in my opinion, is a, a success story in this area. West Bend, if you look at, I mean, look at downtown West Bend. And I'm I'm a little bit familiar with this because my wife spent the last couple years of her working career working in the West Bend area, had a condo right in the heart of downtown West Bend. And and I got a chance to see firsthand the development that was going on in Main Street and stuff. And I'm not saying that there's not stuff that needs to be done, but, but West Bend is a community where the arrow is definitely moving up. They're bringing business. They've got redevelopment. They have completely and totally redone the downtown area. And that's something that a lot of communities can't can't say. And And it's been... Under you know the leadership of both the the professional administrators in West Bend and also the the mayor. Now, being the mayor of West Bend is a it's it's almost like a volunteer position. You make seven thousand bucks a year and expenses of like eighteen hundred. So you you don't you don't do it for the money. You do it because you care about the community and you want to see the community grow. And and that's certainly what's happened. So I'm a big fan of the mayor. I've, I've only met him one time, but i a big fan, big fan. Last night, he announced um, that he was resigning effective immediately. Now, here's, here's what happened and here's what motivated this. Like I say, his real job is he's a developer. He's the president of American companies in West Bend. And his company is working with bringing 
it's called a Marriott Town Place and Office Building. They're trying to bring it. Now, this is what he does in real life. They're trying to bring it to West Bend. The site they are looking at is the former Gale Company headquarters property, which has been sitting vacant. And so it's this property is it's it's owned in part by the by the city. And so what's happened is, you know, he's trying to bring he's a developer. He's trying to bring this big business development, bringing it into West Bend. But it's going to be on property that is owned in part by the government. So the, the problem he has is in this particular situation. Okay, on the one hand, you're the mayor. You make seventy five hundred dollars a year, et cetera, et cetera. But you have a financial interest you know, in your in your real job, you have a financial interest in bringing this development to West Bend, and it's going to be on on, on public land in part. So you're going to have to, at some point in time, the the government is going to have to sign off on this. Now the government will sign off on it because it's really a really good deal. But the problem is, you've got arguably a conflict of interest that's there once these decisions have to be made because you're the mayor on the one hand. But on the other hand, you're the developer that wants this property. So recognizing that it probably was an untenable situation, he, he decided, look, I was going to step down as a mayor anyhow. This is my business interest. I, I want to have completely and totally clean hands in this. You know, I'm going to just step down as mayor and whoever my successor is and the common council, they'll make the decision as to whether or not this, this property should, you know, this development should go up. And the answer is an obvious yes. I mean, it's going to be great for the community. Community. But th- there is a conflict of interest. So I give this guy a lot of credit. Yesterday, I think he surprised a lot of people by saying, we're, we're kind of getting to the point where the metal meets the meat here. At this point in time, there hasn't been anything for the city government to sign off on with regard to the deal. But it's getting it's going to be getting to that point sometime soon. I shouldn't be involved in the decision making. I've sought legal counsel. I've got conflicting opinions. But at the end of the day, Look, I, I just I don't I don't want people questioning my ethics. I'm stepping down, and it, it's you hate to see him go. In my opinion, it was clearly I mean the right decision because there are the, these conflicts and all, and he, it's the right decision. It's the ethical thing, but I didn't want this particular mayor in West Bend to step down after almost nine years of service. First of all, he's stepping down because he is making, in my opinion, the, the ethically correct decision. That's number one. And number two, I, I didn't want I didn't want Craig to step down without at least some public acknowledgement of, you know, this this guy has done a great job, at least in my opinion, for that community for almost a decade. And he will be tough to replace. All right. When we come back, I want to double trap back on something we talked about in the one o'clock hour of the program yesterday, because I've got a number of thought provoking emails on some of my comments. I don't agree with the comments. But I want to tee it up. Stick around. This is Jeff Wagner. You're listening to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. After yesterday, I don't want to hear one more Milwaukee politician whine about a lack of jobs in the inner city. Because what happened yesterday is stunning to me. And actually, some emails and texts I got after my comments are kind of stunning as well. So that's why I want to revisit this. There, There is this. It's the old A.O. Smith and Tower Automotive plant it starts like at 31st and capital and it's got environmental issues the city took it over in 2009 and spent millions of dollars trying to do environmental cleanup with the idea that they were going to try to create a business park bringing in you know large companies that would 
provide jobs for an economically depressed area, the Milwaukee North Side. Now, there, there are problems with this. First of all, the, the site, it's landlocked. It doesn't have freeway access, so it's, it's difficult to appeal to a lot of manufacturing concerns, unlike things in the Menominee Valley where you can jump on the freeway. Secondly, the area is a moonscape. I mean, that is just the reality. How, how often do we talk about crime in that area of Capitol Drive? I mean, it's just that they've, they've failed completely over the years at, at bringing substantial businesses in. In this giant park that they have, there's, um, there's two smaller businesses. There's, there's a brewing company, glad that they're there, and there's that the Talgo you know, train plant that, that employs some people, but not an enormous number. So for years and years, they have been trying to get in, they, to try to get manufacturing there. Finally, Tom Barrett and the director of city development, Rocky Marco, they, they, they pulled something off. The, the Strauss Meatpacking Company, which is it's Strauss Brands, it is nationally recognized as like one of the premier meatpacking operations in the country. It's sort of a high-tech type of thing. They had agreed to leave their location in Franklin and locate their corporate offices in this Century City Park. All right? They were going to build a factory, $60 million, 250 good-paying jobs, 401Ks, all those different benefits, 250 jobs at first. And the idea is they thought they could get this up to 500 jobs in the next 10 years. This is something that had the mayor and a lot of people that work on the mayor's staff turning cartwheels because this is exactly what they needed. And what they hoped was they could then, all right, once Strauss locates there, this gives them the marketing ability to go out to some other manufacturing concerns and say, look, we know you've had hesitation about this, but look what we've done. You know, we've got Strauss that's coming there. Here, why don't you join it? A possibility of revitalizing the neighborhood. This sailed through various committees till it got to the Common Council last week And you had a number of animal rights activists, lots of whom weren't in this district, who showed up and started complaining because, not that these aren't good-paying jobs, but because they don't like meat processing plants. It wasn't that any of them had ever been to the Strauss operation in Franklin, had no evidence at all. People tell me, you got a Strauss op, the Strauss operation in Franklin, you don't know it's a meatpacking plant. It's not like Iowa beef processing in 1962. This is a, a space age sort of thing. You, you can't even tell. There's no smells, nothing. That's how they do this. But you have all these people that showed up and started to complain because essentially they don't like the fact that it they process meat for the rest of us to eat. So they started complaining. Common Council freaks out. They decide, okay, we're going to have further hearings on this. The alderman from this district, Khalif Rainey, who originally was on board with this, he, in a moment of political cowardice, at least in my opinion, he decides to do a reversal. He says, well, I've, I, I've talked to people, and I'm a vegetarian, and I, I, just, I, I just I can't support this anymore. Now, in the city of Milwaukee, they have this thing called aldermanic privilege, which is where aldermen typically, if it's something that's going to be going on in your district, typically other aldermen defer to that because they figure you know your district better. So once Khalif Rainey bailed on on this, changed his mind, flip-flops, and I don't support it, the, the, the handwriting was on the wall. So yesterday, Strauss Brands, 
who is in demand. Lots of people want this factory. They said, look, if, if you don't want us, fine. You know, we're not going to fight this. We don't want to be somewhere where we're not wanted. And so they said, all right, it's off the table. We're not coming there, which means the moonscape that is Century City will continue to be a moonscape. Well, I... I, this isn't a criticism of Tom Barrett. Barrett is very, very upset with this. Director of City Development, very, very upset with this, especially since they understand that moving forward, how are you ever going to convince any company to locate in that area? I mean, this is this incredible company. It's this wonderful company. These are great jobs. And now the local alderman saying, well, we don't want you here. How are you going to go get another company that's going to be willing to come in here? Now, I don't fault Strauss Brands. They said, if they don't want us, we'll, we'll take our, our business elsewhere. That was the point of my commentary yesterday. Last Over the last 24 hours, I got several emails from people saying, I applaud what the alderman did. And, and here's the thinking. We don't like these meat companies. These are not good corporate citizens. People should not be eating meat. There's all these different issues that come along with this. This is what a progressive city, that was one of the phrases I heard, this is what a progressive city should do. They should say no to these type of companies, and we're proud of the fact that Milwaukee is saying no to this high-tech meatpacking plant because, well, I don't eat meat and people shouldn't eat meat. Our number, 414-799-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. And then I get texts like, would you work there, Jeff? Well, no, I wouldn't work at a meat processing plant, but that's not what I do. But, yeah, if I needed a job, yes, I would work there. One of the texts said, Jeff, you wouldn't want this in your neighborhood. Well, okay, I, I don't I don't live on 32nd and Capitol across from the tower, former Tower Automotive plant. You know, this is an area that is zoned for industrial. They need factory stuff there. This is exactly what they need. And the idea that we're going to turn our nose up at these type of jobs tells me that I, I guess that at least there's some people, starting with this alderman, who aren't serious about wanting to bring good-paying jobs to an economically depressed area of Milwaukee, 414-799-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. No, I, I wouldn't work there, but, <laughs> but I, 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 but that's, I have other sorts of choices. If I was unemployed or underemployed and I was 25 years old and I had the opportunity to get a job that paid $17 an hour, you bet I would be applying. 414-799-1620. We discuss in a moment. If you're on the line, please hold on. Back for more, here's WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Here's a text, Jeff. Strauss Brands processes meat. They unnecessarily kill animals for no reason. There is no reason to kill these animals. Okay, well, the reason they kill the animals is because we eat the meat. And and I understand there's people out there that don't like that, but tough. (laughs) Just, just, Just tough. Most people aren't there. Now, maybe there's going to be a day when everybody's vegetarians and things like that, but we're not there right now. We, we, we like our pork chops and we like our veal and we like our chicken and we like our hamburgers. And that means that there's got to be places that, I don't know, turn them into pork chops and hamburgers. Let's start with John in Franklin. John, you're on WTMJ. Hi, good afternoon. Hi, John. You're down in Franklin. That's where Strauss is right now. Yeah, it's been a part of our community for 50 years. They've been a great business partner, a you know piece of our community that is is moving forward. And I'm I'm ecstatic to have them in our area and in my district, and looking forward to their growth. Well, you know, they they still. I mean, I guess 
I'm not sure if they've committed to staying and expanding. That was the original plan that they had before they decided to move to Century City. But the bottom line is that they've been a good corporate citizen, right? Excellent. I I can't say enough good things about them. And, you know, we've gone back and forth, a lot of negotiations over the last few years. And, you know, I understand their their viewpoint or their thoughts about moving to the Central City. Uh, But, you know, you've got a lot of history with Franklin. They've got some employees that have been there for a couple decades and are really, you know, happy with where they're at. We don't have any issues or problems with their their business. You know, you hear some feedback from residents about smell or whatever we don't have that issue we don't yeah. have that problem and but, i you know i'm very happy to have them and i'm i'm hoping that they are going to expand you know they, at least you know there's talk of it they yeah. had a five-year plan and i hope that will come to fruition yeah no thank, thanks for culture i mean and, and again this isn't I, I, there's some people say well that the strauss should have done a better job trying to you know sell this to the community and you know offer people to take tours of their facilities i, I mean it, it's it's not strauss's job to do that i mean it, it's not like when you're talking about century city on 31st and capital at the old a.o smith tower automotive place it's not like you've got all these different takers that are begging to come in and, and buy that property we're not talking about waterfront property in naples we're talking about this kind of ghost town area that the city has been trying its best to market for years to bring jobs into an area that they desperately need so now they land this deal where you've got this company that's going to bring 250 to 500 jobs and they say no all right, but I don't understand because, well, I wouldn't want a meatpacking plant across the street from me. Back to Take Your Calls. Here's WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Here's a text. Jeff, I live a half a mile from the Strauss Brands plant in Franklin, and as you said, you would have no idea it's a meatpacking plant. It's also one of the most humane meat companies as it works entirely with free-range grass-fed animals. In addition, the plant is already located in Milwaukee County. This is a huge loss for the city of Milwaukee, you think? 414-799-1620. Lewis on the south side. Hi, Lewis. Yeah, hi, Jeff. Um, The liberals were screaming bloody murder when uh, Walker didn't do enough uh, to keep Oscar Meyer meatpacking in our our, uh, state. Yep. And but this is no good for him. Also, all the racism, uh, you know, spewed at other companies that moved out to the suburbs or Foxconn because what are they going to do for Milwaukee? Here is a company devoted to start and grow in that section of town right and, and, and they're taking a risk i mean you know you're you're located you're moving for you were going to move from franklin into it's not like there's any sort of guarantees no other company big manufacturing company has been willing to take the risk of going into that area with all the other problems that you're you're going to have they were willing to try to make a difference and the alderman says well no we're, we're not going to do this anymore because people don't like uh you know I, i've got the people the PETA people and some people in the neighborhood who don't think they want to meet processing plant. So goodbye to 250 or 500 jobs. It was up to Khalif Rainey to, to talk to Strauss Foods and to clear up some of this stuff right. and get people on board yep. uh, with, with great jobs. Um, these people could go to work, come home without going through traffic and see their family at a reasonable yeah. time. And that's all blown. It's oh, gone. It, it, exactly. Thanks. And, and again, I, I mean, I'm sympathetic to what Barrett and Rocky Marcou are saying. How, 
Okay, after this, how do you go to another company and say, hey, we want you to try to come in here into this area that's been sitting essentially vacant? I know there's two smaller companies there, but this has been essentially vacant for 10 years. The city redeveloped it, you know, five years ago. They can't find businesses to locate there because of a wide variety of reasons. Now, how do you moving forward? How do you go and say, hey, we want you to come in here? And somebody says, well, wait, well, Strauss wanted to go there and, and, you know, it was all to be a done deal. The skids were greased and all of a sudden you, you backed out on it. How do you bring it? Don't. I don't want to hear one Milwaukee politician tell me after this that, gee, we, we can't get, you know, good paying jobs in the inner city. Well, when you're going to turn these type of things down. Chrissy in Oconomowoc. Chrissy, you're on WTMJ. Chrissy. Hey. Hi, Chrissy. Hi. Um, I love meat. I wouldn't work in a meat packing um, company, but... Uh, that dropping that, having that place open where, where they want to open it is like dropping a gift in that neighborhood. Those yeah. people need jobs so bad. And I'll tell you what, if every person that eats meat wouldn't have voted for that alderman, he'd have no say in anything. Yeah, well, well again, right, I mean, th- thanks. And look, and I understand. I mean, see, here, here's the thing. I understand. You hear a meat packing plant and you think Iowa beef processing, 1962, you're going to have all these cattle and they're going to be slaughtered outside. And in the summer, it's going to have these huge, terrible smells and all this. That's not what it is. That That's not what it is at all. What happened here, let's be honest, is that you had some vocal the, the PETA type of crowd, I'm not saying this, they're PETA members that don't like meat. And so what they did is they stirred things up. You know, we, well, it's not like you've accomplished anything because Strauss Brands isn't going out of business. I mean, Strauss Brands is now going to expand in Franklin or they're going to find another location, hopefully not outside the state. I mean, that, that's, you know, that's the other risk that you've run. Now, hopefully they'll stay in, in Franklin, but it's not like you've accomplished anything. It's not like they're going to stop, you know, producing veal or whatever, you know, other meats they have. They're going to continue to do it. All you've done is guarantee that they're not going to do it in an economically depressed area of the city of Milwaukee. So those jobs aren't coming to the city. Let's talk to Josh in Milwaukee. Josh, you're on WTMJ. Josh. Hello? Hi, Josh. Hey, how you doing? Good. What do you think? Yeah, yeah. so, you know, personally, you know, growing up in the inner in city, you know, and noticing that, you know, a lot of the good jobs you had to commute out of the city, mm-hmm. I mean, you know, as far as, like, industrials and, and things like that, you know, I just personally feel it, it, it's too bad that the voices of, you know, you or the voices and opinion of you, it, it, right. it hurted the, the, the opportunity that could have been brought to the inner city. Yeah, well, I mean, let's take your point. You're growing up in that area. Look, look what was there back in this city's industrial heyday. You, you had A.O. Smith, and then you had Tower Automotive. I can remember back in the day sometime trying to drive down Capitol Drive, that area, you know, at, at plant closing time and stuff. You had you had hundreds of cars, workers coming to and from. You, you had the, the area that was, you know, people actually, you know, would leave it and they'd go to some of the bars, they'd go to the shops and stuff. You know, once those manufacturing plants left, well, what happened is that the area becomes kind of a moonscape. And that's why you've got the high crime and you've got the high unemployment. This was a chance to, to maybe try to, you know, bring back some of the glory. And you've got this alderman who just says, well, you know, where I'm not going to support it. I, what do you, I don't even. It is just amazing to me, Josh, how stupid this decision was. 
And I agree. You know, my grandfather, I was a little kid. My grandfather, you know, he worked at the Briggs and Stratton, yeah. you know, and he was, he was talking, you know, in a big company. And it was just like, and it's just for more for the community, too. You know, in that area, it's like, you know, those, those opinions, you know, I, some people eat meat. It's just. Yeah. yeah, I'm sorry, Josh. Your cell phone is cut now. The last thing you said was some people eat meat. Right. And, and again, see, that's the insanity of all this. Like I just said, it's not like Strauss Brands is going out of business. It's not like the, these protesters who, who don't like the idea that there's the, this packing plant that's going in. It's not like they have accomplished anything. I mean, we're, we're still, you're still going to be able to go to Sendex, talk to the butcher, and get pork chops. I guarantee you that. It's just that those jobs aren't going to come along there. And, and no, I would not want to live across, I don't, but I don't live in an industrial area. See, that's, 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 that's the thing. If I lived in that immediate area, and your choice, you were saying to me, Jeff, would you ha- rather have the blight that is there now, which inspires crime and poverty and no economic development, or would you rather have a good, responsible company that's going to employ 250 to 500 people, contribute to the tax base of the city, and maybe help bring my neighborhood back? <laughs> it's, it's, not even, it's not even close. David in Mequon. David, you're on WTMJ. Hey, Jeff. Thanks Hi, for taking my call. Sure. Um, you know, really quickly, you know, if you really look at what the protesters, what they were complaining about, they they feel that obviously they're against the meat end of things. But the uh, the bigger thing is that they wanted like solar panels and they were worried about the fumes and this and that. And there was, you know, they had essentially ginned up all this sentiment uh, very quickly. And they, they right. scared the neighborhood into saying, you know what? This is really, and, and of course, what they mentioned was they said all of these type of plants going to poor neighborhoods. And I'm thinking, wait a second, Franklin's not a poor neighborhood. Right. <laughs> and, 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 and so that was a big advocate, and they've been there for 50 years in Franklin. It's not like that they just... You right. know, uh, opened up shop three years ago. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah here's what should have happened to your point, David. Khalif Rainey, what if, if I don't know if he'd ever visited this, this plant or not, but what he should have done is he should have, if he hadn't done that, gotten in a car, driven down to Franklin with, you know, some people from the city department of development toward the plant, seen what the plant operated. And then he could have come back and stood up to this small handful of people and said, look, I've been down there. This is going to be a Strauss brand is a great corporate citizen, and we're lucky to have him. But there was no leadership that came like that. There, there, there is one more thing you know, I'll point out. So the, I think it's called the something Slaughterhouse Free Milwaukee or something, a Facebook page. Right. They had a picture of Target on the Facebook showing at 13 bucks an hour, and they were claiming that Strauss does not pay that for starting pay. So that's another thing that's not been talked about. But I looked on the website because there's there's two people in particular that really got this all yeah. kind of started and, and moved forward with it. It's basically like a baby AOC. Let's get rid of Amazon right. twenty five thousand jobs. Right. Get everybody riled up, and you really had two people. Uh, yeah. they, they got all this worked up, and they started communicating. And right, and then, and then you've got this internet culture. No, th- th- thanks for call. No, right, and they. I mean, my understanding: the starting salary is between thirteen and seventeen dollars an hour. They pay benefits. Um, yeah, I, again, but but regardless, you, you got nothing. So now the choice is: this has been a moonscape for ten years. 
you had this company that was going to move in. They have said no. There's no other alternatives. It's not like, hey, we have a choice between Strauss Brands and, you know, the, the Gru, you know, Widget Factory. They're, they're, it's, they're right back to square one, which means it's probably going to be another five or ten more years before you get any sort of economic development there. Meanwhile, the neighborhood continues to deteriorate. No, I'm, I'm sorry. This is – it's a travesty. This alderman should be absolutely ashamed of himself that you, you gave in to the handful of squeaky wheels instead of standing up and being a profile in courage and benefiting this area you, you completely and totally crumbled and again I, I think milwaukee the city of has now lost a lot of the high road when you say well you know why, why is it we have these problems because we don't have good paying jobs you know in economically depressed areas of the city yeah here's one where barrett had delivered and the common council in the face of one alderman decided to say no well okay don't complain about unemployment when you turn down these type of jobs. Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. That topic gets me worked up there, Gru. I, I just can't I can't help it. I mean I, I just I listen for years and years and years about how you need good paying jobs in the economically depressed areas in this region. You, you nail it. You have this company that wants to come in and do that, and then you turn your nose up because well, I don't know. A handful of people who don't like meat complain, and nobody stands up to them. Just frustrating. Hey, okay, here, here's some, some other updates and some stories we, we talked about in the last couple of days. First of all, um, Madison. This story, the People's Republic of Madison, and as I said this yesterday, true idiots are rare. I mean, people make idiotic decisions, but true idiots are rare. Well, then, then you go out to the People's Republic of Madison. There was this story that had gone national, actually international, over the last couple days. It involved this 48-year-old security guard at Madison West High School. If you hadn't heard the story, what, what had happened was we could, uh, Madison has, the Madison School District has a zero-tolerance policy for employees for use of racial slurs. Now, you hear that and you say, of course. You know, you don't want some teacher, you know, calling some kid a, a bad name. Okay, well, you, you understand that. So, and as a matter of fact, I think like a, like six or seven people in the last couple of years have been fired. Employees have been fired from the Madison school system for using the N-word. All right. I, that, that's all well and good. So what happens a couple of weeks ago is at Madison West High School, you have some out-of-control punk student who has been tossed out of class. The assistant principal is trying to get the punk student down to the office or wherever. The kid doesn't want to go, so they call a security guard. The security guard, the kid is black. The security guard is African-American, 48 years old. He comes to help the assistant principal as they're trying to get this kid to the office or wherever. The kid just goes on a tirade. Apparently, every obscenity in the book directed at the assistant principal and the security guard. Now, again, security guard's black, the kid is black, including repeated use of the N-word. So you've got this kid who is screaming racial slurs at the black security guard, all right, and along with all sorts of other things. The security guard says, don't call me that. You know, he's trying to actually have a teachable moment. You know, don't call me that. It's inappropriate. Don't call me that. Well, the kid keeps calling him that. At one point in time, the security guard says, I told you, don't call me 
blank. And then he repeats the word. He said, don't call me what you have been calling me. And he says the word. He doesn't say, don't call me the N-word. He says, don't call me, you know what. All right, fine. They get the kid down to the office. The kid apparently complains. He said, hey, he used he used the N-word. Well, well, yeah, he did. But he was saying, stop calling me the N-word. The school district, this is the idiot school superintendent. It is the idiot school principal who come in and say, well, we have this zero tolerance policy. And you, Mr. Security Guard, you use the N-word, so you're, you're, you're going to be fired. To which the security guard, what are you talking about? I mean, I, I just, I told him to stop calling me that, that it was inappropriate. Doesn't matter. You used that word. We don't care about the context. We don't care about the circumstances. You are fired. Matter of fact, it's still not even clear if the out-of-control kid got any sort of discipline at all. Well, this story, you know, got picked up. The union started objecting. It went international. Cher, of all people, decided that she thought this was so outrageous that she offered to pay the guy's legal fees if he sued. You know, we talked about this yesterday. And again, I this is my problem. See, with zero tolerance law rules, it, it's this, it, it is the, I, I don't know, to me, it, it's the, the safe haven of little minds. So, because you, you don't have to use any common sense or, or any judgment. See, I've railed about zero tolerance for years and years in schools because it, let's say you've got a zero tolerance drug policy. Well, okay, I, I understand that. So you treat, the kid that is selling black tar heroin out of the gym class, well, he brought drugs to school. You treat him the same way you treat the 14-year-old girl who's got some Mydol in her purse. Well, it, 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 oh, well, you all violated the drug policy. Well, you, but you're doing different things. You know, in this particular case, yes, I guess technically the guy, the security guard, violated their policy. But you have to look at the concept, the whole context that he said it. And, you know, anybody with the anybody with the common sense that God gave a goose would realize that in this particular context, you don't fire this guy for how he used that word when directing it at the kid, saying, don't call me that. It is inappropriate. But, of course, we, we have no common sense in the Madison School District. They fired him. There was a huge international uproar. Like I say, share of all people wanted to pay the guy's legal fees. And apparently yesterday, the school district recognizing that they look like complete and total fools on this issue, decided to hire the guy back. And, and so presumably they're going to relook at this policy and the way they apply this zero tolerance, because in this particular situation, the security guard wasn't the bad guy at all. So he's got his job back. The bigger question is, why, do you really want to work in the Madison School District knowing that these are the types of people who make these type of decisions? And what's going to happen the next time you have a situation like this? Because I guarantee you some of the entitled kids, they know what's going on here. Uh, my guess is that you know next time somebody's walked out of class, you're going to have the same sort of stuff happen and then we'll see what happens to the response of the particular employee but in any event long story short the school uh, security guy has been given his job back like i say the big question is who would want to work in an environment where you've got management that makes decisions like this this is jeff wagner Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. 
All right, this happened a week ago Saturday. I, I admit that I'm fascinated by this, and I didn't get an opportunity to talk about it at the end of last week when the story first broke, but it, it raises so many of these issues. The story comes up to us from Fat Joe's Bar in Fond du Lac, Wisconsin. You heard the story, Gru? You have not heard about the, the controversy at Fat Joe's Bar in Fond du Lac. All right, so here, here's what happens. Week ago Saturday, the bar is swamped. The, the Badgers are playing. They've got a live band, and it happened to be homecoming. So a lot of the high school, they got high school kids that work like part-time at this place. They're, they're, they're off because they're, they're going to homecoming. So they're, they're short-staffed, and they are busy. According to the story, they have a number of people who are regulars at, at this particular place, and including th- there's one regular who apparently is a transgender woman, which I, I, I think that means it's biologically a male but identifies as a woman. So th- that person, she is in the bar, you know, dressed in a dress and things like that, dressed like a woman. There is apparently an elderly couple who are also regulars at this particular place, and they're they are in there as well. So you've got a bunch of you got a bunch of regulars that are there. You have this waitress. Now this is Saturday, they're busy. The waitress goes up to wait on the elderly couple at the table. And the elderly couple who are apparently, you know, talking about the transgender woman that has has come in. So they are commenting on this. And they, it's a little bit unclear, but I, I guess they try to engage the waitress in this conversation. And, you know, her story is the couple, the customer said they were asking if I thought it was disgusting and, and wrong. And she says, no, I, I don't agree with that and walked away. Okay. So that that's fine. She said, I, I agree with that and I don't agree with that and walk away. She goes up. This is the waitress goes up to her manager and says, look, I, um, I I don't want to serve these people. I mean, because they were saying, you know, transphobic things. They were saying awful things about that this person, that this transgender person is there. And, and I, I don't like what they're saying, and I don't want to serve them. Apparently, the manager, the owner and operator at the place says, look, I mean, th- these, these people are all regulars, and we're short-staffed. And you, you, you know, we need you to go serve them. You know, we need you to do th- this table. And she says, "Well, I, I don't, I don't want to do that." And then they say, "Well, okay, here, here's the choice: you can either, you know, do your job or you can go home." She says, "I choose to go home." So she goes home rather than serve this particular table. Okay, she gets home. This is the waitress, and she takes to Facebook, and on Facebook. She describes, she just starts to describe this story. She says, I got sent home from work early because I refused to serve a table who were making transphobic remarks about guests at one of my other tables. Oh, well, at least I stand by my morals and beliefs. And, you know, she, she identifies where she works. So she calls out this, this waitress. I, the, the waitress calls out her employer. I, I got, I got sent home from work. Now, the business says when she was sent home from work, she, she wasn't fired. They just told her, look, if, if you're not going to do what we ask you to do, just go home. Well, what happens is they start 
the business, starts getting slammed on their Facebook page and stuff because of, you know, what th- this gal has now, the waitress has now posted on on social media. So when she come back, comes back the next day, um, they, this is, well, this is how they describe it. They say, you know, she decided she wanted to post stuff on Facebook after being sent home. And we made the business decision that we can't have employees that aren't going to make us look good as an establishment. And so they fire her the next day, not necessarily for refusing to do her job and serve the couple who were making comments that she didn't like, but for then going on Facebook and blasting the business. So they end up firing her. This story is now gone viral. I hate that because it's such a cliche, but it's gone viral. And you have people who, it, the, the response to the restaurant, the bar restaurant, has been so great that they've had to take down their Facebook page. You've got people from all over the world who are, you know, putting hate stuff on there. Uh, the gal says, you know, she's considering, you know, filing a lawsuit, et cetera, et cetera. But the bottom line is customers, couple customers said something that she was offended by Ask not to be able to serve them. The manager said, no, we were shorthanded. You got to serve them. She refused. She was sent home. And then she took to Facebook to blast her employer over this. And now they fired her. All right, 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage talk and text line. Was the waitress treated unfairly? I mean, is this... Is it should the bar be ashamed of itself? The bar slash restaurant be ashamed of itself? Were they unfair to this particular woman? How did they handle it? Did they handle it inappropriately? What should have happened? Does she have a, a case? Is she the victim here? 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage talk and text line. I will tell you where I come down on this, and we will discuss in just a minute. But I am legitimately curious as to how you feel about this. She refuses to serve the table because she didn't like some of the things that they were saying. They then send her home but didn't fire her. She blasts her employer. Then they fire her. What do you think? 414-799-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. We discuss in just a moment. If you're on the line, please hold on. Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. (laughs) 414-799-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. All right. Who's right? Who's wrong? The waitress says she's been fired for standing up for her beliefs. Let's start with Dan and Racine. Hi, Dan. Hi, Jeff. Thanks for taking my call. Sure. Um, I'm totally against what she did. I think um, her job as a server is to do that. You serve people, whether they have an opinion or not, and the boss doesn't hear it. And you don't like what some customers, you know, everybody goes through this with their job, but you still have to do it. And her title, her, her title is to serve customers. And the fact that she was told to walk and did this, it, it, it's all on her. She's not winning anything in a courtroom. Well, I mean, you you never know. She says she was standing up for her moral belief. She found it offensive that these people were talking about another customer. So she was offended. So I think her thinking was, I shouldn't have to serve them. Yeah, but Jeff, this is on your job, though. This is, you know, what you feel like on outside of your employee, that, that's on your time. But yeah. this is what you're getting paid to do. Your feelings are your feelings, but you can't express those in your, 
in right. their day-to-day job. Well, especially since the comments weren't directed at her. It's not like they were, it's not like, let's say, she was um, a, a minority. And, you know, she would, they were saying, okay, we don't want to be served by, you know, fill in the blank. That's not what happened. She just didn't like, you know, she didn't like the tone of their conversation. Now, thanks to call. Okay, 414-799-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. All right, did she, is the gal a victim? Here's a text, Jeff. She got what she deserved. No good thing ever happens when you post work issues on social media. Follow the advice from um, Bambi. If you can't say something nice, don't say nothing at all. See, that's the other issue which, which is out there. The bar says we didn't fire her for refusing to serve the people. We She refused to serve the people, and we sent her home. But, but we didn't fire her. We we sent her home because she was being insubordinate. All right. Now, you, you can you can argue that maybe when she voiced this concern, maybe the easiest thing to do would be for the bar to send over another server. OK, I, I don't know what their circumstances were, but I don't think they had to do that. You know, I think the bar says, OK, well, you know, just because. All right, just because they're saying things that you don't like or you don't agree with, because otherwise, where where do you draw the line? Hey, these people are talking about how they love Trump or they hate Elizabeth Warren. I don't like that. So does that mean you know you don't have to wait on these people? Well, no, if you let the employees make those decisions all the time, well, then it's going to be just absolutely a free for all. So, I mean, I think the bar had every right to say, you know, no, you know, go, go over there and just you don't have to engage them in conversation. Just bring them their food and be. be be done with this. So I think the bar had every right to do what it ended up doing, especially since these comments weren't directed at her. She might have found them offensive. I appreciate that, but her job is to serve them. But that's not what her got what her got her fired. She goes home and she rips her employer on social media. That's to me, you know, where where you commit the actionable type of offense. Think about your job. And think, I mean, I was I was trying to think, okay, what, what would happen here if, all right, between the 1 and the 2 o'clock hour, I have um, my program director comes in and says, Jeff, I, I, I want you to talk about this particular topic, and I want you to say this. And I say, I, I'm, I'm sorry, I, I don't agree with that. I can't do it or, or, or whatever. And they say, well, if you don't do that, you know, you know I want you to do it. I said, no, I'm not going to do it. So then they send me home. Okay, they send me home, and then I go home and I post all sorts of stuff talking about how, gee, this is what I was told to do, et cetera, et cetera, and isn't this awful, et cetera, and it generates all sorts of bad publicity for my employer. Do I have a right to do it? Yes, but what do I think is going to happen? I mean, when you go home and you rip your employer on social media, yes, it might make you feel good. You know, yes, it, it might make you the the star of, of a certain segment of the population and you get your 15 minutes of fame, but your, your employer's not going to like that. I mean, what did she think was going to happen when she took to social media to rip her employer? And again, they say, you weren't fired. We didn't fire her for refusing our direction to go serve this couple. You know, we, we fired her because she went home and then she she ripped us and made the business look bad. 414-799-1620. Don in Kenosha. Don, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Good afternoon to you, Jeff. Is she a victim? No. I've, I've never worked at a place that 
didn't have a policy that you couldn't discredit them, couldn't say things about them on social media or even in public. I'm sure you couldn't do that in your job either. It's, um, <laughs> no, no, if, if, right, exactly. If I decided to go home tonight and I, I, I actually, I, I have no beefs with my employer. That's the honest, the goodness truth. It's a great place to work. But let, let's take that example. You know, you go home and you decide that you're going to, you know, just go ballistic on your employer and rip them for something. Obviously, there's going to be consequences <laughs> at some point in time. You know, you have a right to do it, but they're not going to be happy with you. Absolutely. Um, you know, that, that just goes without saying, but the companies I've worked for actually had written policies that you couldn't do it. Yeah. Yeah. And again, I don't know. I mean, this is, this is a bar in Fond du Lac and I, I don't know how, how formal the thing was, but I mean, the truth is, you know, in Wisconsin, you know, this is an at, what, this is what they call an at will state. You can fire people for any reason or no reason, as long as it's not an illegal reason. And I guess I, I just don't see this as being something that, that should be, that should be legally protected. I mean, she, she posted her, she Facebook posted herself out of a job and, and that that's fine. She got her, she had the right to do it. Nobody said she couldn't post it, but there are consequences to actions. If, if um if she if she didn't know it's it should be a lesson learned that you just can't do that right now th- thanks for calling right I, well and and again it's I think you know one of the things that that's that's out there is is this idea we we need. We, we've so much in today's internet society, you know, in the social media world, we feel compelled to share everything. You know, we, we feel, and I look, I'm sure she's angry. You know, she, she didn't like this elderly couple that was in there and she didn't like the fact that they were, you know, saying a disparaging thing about the transgender customers. Well, oh, okay. Well, they're, they're all customers and that, that's fine. I, I get it. I understand that she didn't want to serve the people. Okay, well, that's that's hip and trendy. That That's fine. And it's unfortunate that her employer couldn't accommodate her. But under these circumstances, at that point in time, once they send you home, all she had to do was keep her mouth shut, show up the next day, and, and boom, you're back off to the races. You've got the job. But no, 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 you can't resist. You've got to decide you're going to rip the folks. And then, you know, what do you think your employer is going to do? Well, if you don't like, you know, what happened, we're sorry. Maybe you can find another employer down the street who, you know, will treat you better. As for us, we run a business, we serve all sorts of people, and we try to, we're serving, we're not saying we didn't serve the transgender person, we're not saying we didn't serve the elderly person, your job is to serve these people, period. Sorry, I don't see this young lady as a victim. To me, perhaps this is a life lesson. This is Jeff Wagner. Welcome back to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. So very glad to have you with us. Rue, do you know who Rachel McKinnon is? You ever heard that name? It doesn't sound familiar. Okay, well, fair enough. Um, Rachel McKinnon is a, a cyclist. Matter of fact, she's just won uh, like an internet, la- 
weekend before last, she won the Masters Track Cycling World Championship in Manchester, England. Um, 37-year-old Canadian first set a world record in qualifying for the 35- to 39-year age category in the 200-meter sprint, then went on to defend the title in the finals. For the last couple years, since Rachel McKinnon has gotten into competitive cycling, um, she has been winning everything and winning everything in a dominant fashion. Okay, so you say, all right, Jeff, why are we talking about sports cycling and things like that? Don't you know the buck season starts on Thursday? Okay, here here is the deal. Rachel McCannon is a transgender cyclist. Rachel McCannon was born a male, biologically a male, 1982. Around the age of 29 or 30, Rachel McKinnon began the the transformation, came out, said, I, look, I, I'm, a, I'm a female trapped in a male's body, and, and began the, the transformation. You're taking the hormone treatments at, at, at things like that around the age of 30. Then what happened is um, she started getting into, you know, competition. She's also very, very militant about defending transgender rights. Okay, that this she's you know, for for people who have attacked her as, you know, being okay, un, unfairly competing in different events and stuff, she she lashes out. So she's very militant uh, about about this. So in any event, she, after transitioning from male to female, she took up the, the world of competitive cycling, and she's been winning lots of stuff. All right, what's happened is a number of the female competitors, and I say female, meaning the competitors that were born female, biologically were females, that they're complaining about this and they're saying look this is this is unfair she biologically and i understand that she's had like the testosterone stuff and the hormone treatments and things like that but but she still has the male body you know um she she went through puberty as a male and and yes she's had the hormone treatments and yes the testosterone's gone down but that that doesn't change the fact that you know she's She's a guy. She's built at least like a guy, despite the fact that she's had these different transitions. And the argument is that that gives her an unfair advantage over the female. And again, I'm, I'm using this, the, the, the biological female competitors that she's going up against. Now, like I say, she is extremely you know, militant in, in fighting back about this and essentially anybody that criticizes her for, you know, her wins or for competing, you know, she calls them transphobic and, and things like that. But her competitors, the people in these areas say, you know, she just got an unfair advantage because she spent 30 years of her life at, she was born biologically a male and Males, I mean, it's just it, it, one of the, the truths, and it's not taking anything away from, you know, females that are in great shape and things like that. But if you take, you know, the best male basketball player and put them with the best female basketball player, the, the male basketball player athletically is going to be superior. They're going to be able to run faster and jump higher and things like that. You take the best 
female weightlifter or shot putter and put them up against the best male female shot putter or weightlifter, the male is going to be able to lift more because, again, it's the differences between boys and girls. 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Now, I want to have this conversation without the, the, the whole, you know, transphobic or, or things like that. It's sports right now, particularly Olympics and international competitions, are wrestling with this area. And, and that is, is it fair to take people who have transitioned, somebody in this case who's gone through puberty as a male, and allow them to compete against females later on in life? 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text line um is 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 it would it be better to create like a separate category so for example transgender folks in this case you know somebody who was a male who transitioned into a female should they have to compete against people who are in that same category or is it fair to let them compete against biological females 414-799-1620 that's the acunet mortgage talk and text line i'll tell you where i come down on this but i'd like to have a discussion and i'd like to do it again without it's not a question of to me it's not a question of being transphobic it's a question of what's fair for the, the competitions what do you think? We discuss in just a moment. If you're on the line, please hold on. This is Jeff Wagner. You're listening to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. A former female cycling champion, you know, commented. This is, her name is Victoria Hood. This is what she says about this Rachel McKenna. It says, it's not complicated. The science is there, and it says it's unfair. The male body, which has been through male puberty, still retains its advantage. It doesn't go away. I have sympathy with uh, the transgender athletes. They have the right to do the sport, but not a right to go into any category they work, they want. To which Rachel McKinnon responds, by preventing trans women from competing or require them to take medication, you're denying their human rights. Okay, 414-799-1620. Is that what this really is? Let's start with Bill in Greenfield. Bill, you're first. Good afternoon. Hey, good afternoon. Thank you for taking my call. Yes, sir. Yeah, it's like I was just telling your screener. We just had a conversation about this yesterday, and it's, it's, I think it's more uh, physical versus identity. Um, you have these, these, these women that go spend their entire lives perfecting their, their craft, trying to be the best in the world at doing it, and you interject someone who is physically superior right out of the gate without, I mean, it's, I think it's ridiculous. I think that, that there should be a co-ed type competition if, if that's the case, or, right. you know, I just, they're just, uh, you know, you made your analogy. I was thinking it's like, what, why, why don't they require an NFL football team to be one of the four teams in the uh, in the NCAA college football championship? You know, I mean, they're they're good, they're bigger, they're stronger, right. they're faster. You can't compete. They're, it's not even competing anymore. All you're doing is trying. Well, well, that see, that's it. Because I mean, and I guess that see, that's where I come down to. And I, I, it's really, at least from my perspective, it's not being transphobic. It, it's it's not saying she doesn't have a right to do this. Right. But but I, I think there's an inherent advantage. Boys and men and women are different from each other. Yeah. And at the age and of not- thirty, you know, when, when you've gone through puberty, that the male 
body mass, the skeleton, you know, the, the, the body, the, the, your vital organs, your lungs, they're, they're bigger. That's just the different. I mean, men and women biologically are different. And by, by changing her, by going through, you know, the, the gender change, it doesn't change the fact that she's got that muscular skeleton of a guy, not of a gal. That is exactly correct. And then to it, just one more point there, for her to interject that you're, you're transphobic because you don't agree and you, you side with the, with the female athletes, I mean, biologically female athletes. Right. It does, it's, that's a cop out. It's an excuse. It's a diversion. It's not answering the basic fact question of what you just read the, the former right. champion, cyclist champion said. Right. It's not. It's not even fair. Yeah, exactly. I mean, th- that, and that's that's the deal. And it's not. I guess that's how I look at it too. And and this is an issue because uh, again, you're starting to see more and more of this in some of these international competitions and the Olympic stuff. And, and you're trying to, I, I think, uh, you know, on the one hand, appreciate the fact that you know you've you've got these, these transgender athletes that are out there. And I'm not suggesting that they shouldn't be able to compete. But I, I do think, especially at these at these world class type of levels, you really have an unlevel playing field. And to your point, I can certainly understand if, if you had a, a daughter, you know, who had, had trained all their life for speed gate, speed skating or speed cycling or, or whatever this is, and had worked their whole life, and all of a sudden they find themselves competing against somebody who is biologically a male. It's not that they don't have the right to do that, that transformation, not arguing that at all, but Again, now they're competing against somebody who's been through puberty, has the big old bigger muscle structure, you know, has that the whole the different skeleton that men's have that are different than women's, and and and, and you, how can it not be an unfair advantage? Let's talk to Doug in Milwaukee. Doug, you're on WTMJ. Oh, hi, Jeff. Hi, Doug. Uh, love your show. Thanks. Um, I have uh, uh, this touches our family because I have an ex brother in law who's now my ex-sister-in-law, and he went through the whole, uh, you know, the whole sure. nine yards with, uh, with the transformation. And I don't have anything against that. People sure. can do whatever they want. I think they need their own category because when I shake his hand at the family gathering, when I haven't seen him in five years, he still has man hands. Yeah. I mean, physically, he was a tough guy. I right. mean, he was no, noted as a... Uh, kind of a tough guy, right? And right. Then, he, he's yeah. got it, right. It, she has the male right. structure. They've got the male muscles, you know, and maybe it's altered a little bit with the testosterone or the hormones or whatever. But but still, uh, physically, right. It, it's a guy, and I don't say that in a disparaging way. But you know, it's it, it's you know, it, it's not even like somebody who's biologically voice, a female. To, even in his voice, he has to. She has to kind of disguise it because he still has. He still has the voice of a man if yeah. he doesn't alter it. Yeah. And quite frankly, I told the screener, for the operation, whatever it costs, I want my money back. <laughs> Thanks for well. See, again, and I'm not, look, and, and again, I, I don't, I don't want to go down that route because I, I don't, that I, I don't want this to turn into, and that's not the way I view it as an issue of, gee, should people be able to make gender transitions? Okay, well, that that's that's fine. I, I appreciate that there are people, you know, men who are trapped in women's bodies and vice versa. But that's not what this is all about. This is about kind of like protecting the integrity of competitions. It's, you know, there, there are some schools, of course, that, um, you know, you have, for example, you have boys 
that are allowed to compete in girls' sports, like field hockey and things like that, if there, there's not a boys' field hockey team. So you have the guys that go in, and they're, they're able to dominate just because of the physical differences. Now, I understand that this is, a, this is a slightly different thing, but if I was one of these female, biologically female athletes um, who has just worked my whole life to be at the top of my game, and all of a sudden somebody who made this transition a couple years ago is now coming in and beating all of us taking nothing away from that person's accomplishments, and I'm sure there's all sorts of training and stuff, but it's not a level playing field. Mike in West Bend. Mike, you're on WTMJ. Hey, Jeff. Hi, Mike. Yeah, uh, you know, you guys have pretty much gone through everything that I was thinking, my thoughts and stuff like that. It's just tragic that we have to have the discussion because, to me, the officials and coordinators of all the worldwide events and stuff like that if they can't truly recognize that there's a serious issue here and a serious difference between these athletes, as you have said about yeah. the musculoskeleton development and stuff like that, it's it's just it's just wrong, okay? And and it is unfair, totally unfair, and you know. It, right, it, right, and, it, and it's not a question of, of ripping or, or hating on the the transgender person. It's just simply no. saying you have by you have a. By virtue of your biological differences, you have an unfair advantage over the rest of the field, pure and simple. Exactly right. Exactly now, th- right. Now, thanks for calling. And, and see, and this issue is, issue is not going away. You've got the Olympics coming up, and the uh, the Olympics are are wrestling with this whole thing about what's the rules, how long ago did you have should you have had to go through your transformation and those types of things, what's the testosterone level. But it, but at the heart of it, it doesn't change the fact that once you go through puberty as a male, you know, your your biology your biology isn't going to change. You know, the muscle structure really isn't going to change in a material kind of fashion. And it, to me, it, the answer is that you know, you develop a special category. I, and, and again, I, I appreciate that maybe there's not enough athletes that you could have the competition, but it does seem to me fundamentally unfair in, in any one of these competitions, whether it's cycling or swimming or whatever, to take somebody who is biologically a male and now have them competing against people who are biologically female. And that's not being transphobic and it's not being a hater. It's just wanting to stand up for the integrity of the competition. All right, when we come back, I can't believe they did this. Stick around. Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. And now, here's WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Good afternoon, Wisconsin. Welcome back to the show. During Tony's newscast, we were listening to the, the weather report and the estimate that we're going to have like 45-mile-an-hour winds or something like that. I, I couldn't help but think how lucky we are not to be living in California. Now, I, I understand this is a story that I, I've been kind of obsessed with because it, it is amazing to me. We are watching one state of the union, arguably, I think it's probably the most popular state of the, in the in the country, that that's really turning into a third world country right before our eyes. And we talked last week or two weeks ago about the the rolling power blackouts, where we had the the fire conditions that were high in Northern California because it's very, very dry out there, and you have these high wind warnings, and the utility companies could not guarantee that 
a, a trans a light pole, uh, a utility pole wouldn't blow over and that when the lines came down, the line wouldn't spark and it wouldn't set something on fire. And in California, they have the nation's strict strictest utility liability law, which says that if a utility, for example, if a utility pole comes down and the line sparks and it starts a fire, it doesn't matter if the utility company wasn't negligent. It doesn't matter if this was an act of God, a 60-mile-an-hour wind knocking down a pole, the utility company is liable for all the damages. And in response to that, specifically Gas and Electric said, okay, well, you know, if we're going to be responsible for this, then the, the way we can guarantee that there's no utility lines that come down and create fires is simple. We're going to shut off the power. And so you had over a million people a week and a half ago in California who didn't have power for days, not because there was anything wrong with the power grid, simply because they didn't want to take the chance that something would blow over. All right, so today around here, we've got 45-mile-an-hour winds. California, and again, wind in California is not unusual. Um, just like in Florida, you've got the hurricane season that runs from like April to November. Well, in California, particularly in the winter and the spring, it is not uncommon to get high winds that come out of the mountains. And um, right now, what they're looking at, again, is for a number of these areas that got hit before, including now San Francisco, the utility company is saying, hey, be prepared. We could shut off power to another half a million people any day now because, again, we're, we've we got dry conditions. We're looking at high winds. So, you know, get ready. Um, we might shut off the power again. Now, I understand, you know, you, you want to try to avoid wildfires, but can you imagine living in a state where, you know, you, you've got Silicon Valley, you've got all these, you know, innovations, but living in a state where, you know, anytime the wind blows more than 40 or 50 miles an hour, which, like I say, happens a lot, especially in areas where you're close to mountains, uh, imagine the fact that you're not going to have power for days. It really is like living in a third world country. And I, I wouldn't be surprised if we were in a situation like California, this might be one of those times where we energies would be saying, hey, maybe we have to turn off the power. Thankfully, we do not live in California. All right. Whenever we bring up the subject of the president, it engenders an incredible amount of controversy. And I I always I have been struck more so than any time in all the time that I've been doing the show about just how tribal we have become. And that is that that there are people that just love President Trump and refuse to acknowledge that he can do anything wrong. And then there are people who just hate President Trump, hate President Trump. They loathe him. And they can't accept the fact that he could do anything right. And and, and I understand that we're never going to, you know, be able to reach any sort of agreement. But nevertheless, I like talking about some of the issues. Okay, here's the latest issue that has popped up. Unlike Bill Clinton, who during the impeachment process, Clinton's attitude was, look, I'm going to try to carry on as business as usual. That's, that's how Clinton did it, try to pretend like it's not happening. That was the the Clinton strategy. I mean, occasionally he'd be forced into talking about this, but essentially he let his lawyers and he let you know other operatives kind of take the laboring war in fighting the effort to remove him. Well, that, that's not President Trump. President Trump is at the forefront of his defense. 
And instead of saying, okay, this is going to be business as usual, I mean, President Trump is clearly obsessed with the efforts to try to remove him from office. He thinks that this is the latest example of what's been going on for three plus years to try to overturn the results of the 2016 election. You can agree with that or not agree with that, but that's clearly how the president perceives it. So he's he's at the tip of the spear. He is not going quietly into the good night. How many other cliches can I come up with? He's you know, he's fighting back aggressively on impeachment. So here's what he says today. So someday, this is the tweet, so someday if a Democrat becomes president and the Republicans win the House, even by a tiny margin, they can impeach the president without due process or fairness or any legal rights. All Republicans must remember what they are witnessing here, a lynching, but we will win. So that's what he says, and of course the operative thing that is now generating a lot of conversation today is the president using the word lynching. All Republicans must remember what they are witnessing here, a lynching, but we will win. A number of people, including some Republicans, have seized on that word that the president used, lynching, and have been very critical of it. Even uh, Scott Fitzgerald, my friend, speaker, of, who's the sorry, president of the Senate, a Senate majority leader who's running for Congress, I, I think he's probably, um, I, I think he's probably the odds-on favorite to replace Jim Sensenbrenner. Okay, he, he's out with a comment. Um, he says, it's a terrible word. I would never use the word lynching, and I wish the president hadn't used it because I think it is unfortunate. You have a number of Democrats who are ripping the president for using the word lynching, saying, look, this this when you say lynching, you know, this is something that was done to you know black people in the South. This, you know, you're not being lynched. All right, 414-799-1620. That is the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Does the president deserve to be criticized for this phrase? Or, you know, in context, you know, do you think it might be appropriate? Now, obviously, the president isn't saying that somebody's going to string and trying to string a noose up, but he's saying, figuratively speaking, this is what I perceive this to happen. Is this an unfortunate choice of words? Should we criticize the president for it? Or is this much ado about nothing? Here you have people that are trying to remove him from office, and he is fighting back. 414-799-1620, that's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Do words matter, and is this particular word in this context over the line? What do you think? We discuss in just a moment. If you're on the line, please hold on. Back for more, here's WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. So, very glad to have you with us. 414-799-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. The, the controversy to controversy jour involving President Trump is a tweet he sends out this morning, um, again, responding aggressively to the impeachment proceedings that are kind of you know, moving through Congress now, saying, so someday, if a Democrat becomes president and the Republicans win the House, even by a tiny margin, they can impeach the president without due process or fairness or any legal rights. All Republicans must remember what they are witnessing here, a lynching, but we will win. And a number of people are saying, oh, you, you can't say lynching. That's going to offend people. And, and don't you recognize the historical significance and the power of of that term. Um, 
Oh, okay, here's here is my my issue with this, and I, I think I think there's all sorts of things that it is fair to criticize President Trump for, and and I do that on on more occasions than I know some of you would would like. I, I think he would be well advised to maybe take a page out of the Clinton playbook and uh, allow other people to be the aggressors and, and just, I, I mean, go back and maybe let's have a business as usual type of thing. But but that's not his style and it's not going to happen and he's going to be very aggressive about this. And I, I, I don't think it's necessarily the best way to handle th- this whole thing. But th- there's lots of stuff that the president has done that if I were given a PR advice, I, not that he would take it from anybody, I, I would choose to go in a different direction. I also think that there are some terms that get overused and for example you know during political campaigns you you oftentimes will have one candidate say to the other oh you're a nazi or or things like that and that always gives me pause because it, it almost always trivializes the the real horror that that were that that was Nazism. You know, you're, you're behaving like Hitler. That that type of stuff. Whenever I hear like the Hitler analogies or the Nazi analogies, I'm I admit I I almost always turn myself off because, I mean, we we just got back a couple of weeks ago from Amsterdam, and you know, you're you're touring the Anne Frank House, and and you're just you know seeing you know firsthand and reading about hearing these stories about the horrors of Nazism and the horrors of things that happened under Hitler, and then you know you have some member of a common council who doesn't want to vote for some particular financing thing or something and oh you know you're you're being like Hitler or this is like the Nazis and you want to say really i mean you know you're you're talking about you know the 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 Nazis who were responsible for you know genocide and, and millions of deaths okay this you know you're you're not voting for a bus line that doesn't make you a Nazi so i always cringe when i, when I hear those terms thrown around I, lynching is the same sort of of term Lynching, I mean, I think it, it has this connotation. It, it is not only black people that were were lynched. You know, people go go watch the the great movie from the forties, the Oxbow Incident, which talks about you know people who were you know that that whole movie is about you know a posse getting you know caught up in their, their own sort of vigilante justice and, and lynching people they thought were wrong, they ro- wrongly lynching people they thought were responsible for a murder. I mean, so it, it doesn't have to just apply to one particular, for example, racial group, although certainly you had lynchings that occurred in, in the South. So I always, I, I but I do always cringe when I hear people talk about that term. Gee, the denial, you know, this criticizing this person was a high-tech lynching or that or whatever, because I think the term ends up getting overused, and as a result, it loses a lot of its impact. Just like, you know, calling people Nazis because you disagree with them, that doesn't apprehend, you know, the true horror of, of Nazism. All right, having said all that, though, I mean, I'm looking at story after story after story. Would I have used the word lynching? No. I mean, what's going on involving President Trump might be, in his mind and in the minds of a lot of people, incredibly unfair or misguided or things like that. But but it is we're, we're following through this process, and that doesn't make it a lynching. That being said, even though I wouldn't have said it, 
I, I'm just reading comment after comment and story after story about people who are offended that the president would have used that word. And I guess I just look at that and say there, there's there's so many real issues to be worked up about. Would I have thought that maybe the president could have chosen another word? Yes, another less heated word. Absolutely. Do I think that this deserves to be the thing that everybody's going to get upset because, oh, my gosh, he said the word lynching and this trivializes, you know, what happened in the South in the, you know, in 1870. I I think that's reading too much into it as well. I, I think, you know, when it comes to both sides in connection with the ongoing impeachment issue, everybody would be well suited to dial it down a couple notches and i would say that to the president's defenders and i would certainly say that to the people that want to see the president removed because let's face it at the end of the day this is political theater i stand by what i've been saying for months now my prediction is what is going to happen is that congress this would be the house of representatives will vote on articles of impeachment sometime before the end of the year they may very well on a pretty much party line vote return articles of impeachment the matter will then go to the senate where he will not be convicted in a trial and after six months or nine months of angst we're going to be right back where we started before this whole thing nobody is going to be satisfied but ultimately the verdict on whether or not donald trump continues to be the president is going to be decided by the american voters in a little over a year this is jeff wagner Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. It may well be the end of yet another era here in Milwaukee. Now, in the Milwaukee area, there are this is a region where frozen custard is, of course, big. You, you go to a lot of places in this country, and they look at you and go, what's this kind of frozen custard? You know, we're used to ice cream stands and things like that. But, but of course, frozen custard is, is big here. Um, l- let's think of, of the really big name custard stands around here. You, you've got Gillis's. And, and I understand it, it's, you know, a lot of pronounce, it's spelled G-I-L-L-E-S. Um, and a lot of people pronounce it as Gillies. That's not right. It, it's Gillis is how you actually pronounce it. That, the Gillis, Gillis cuts, uh, the Gillis's custard stand has been 75th and Blue Mound-ish. It's been there since, um, about 1938. Think about that. That custard stand's been there since 1938. Then you've got Leon's Custard, which is on the south side on South 27th Street. That's been there since 1942. Then you've got Cops Custard. Um, Cops has been around since 1950, currently located in, in my neck of the woods, Glendale, at least where I grew up, my stomping grounds, Glendale, and it's been there since 1950. The fourth oldest custard stand in this area is Kitts Custard on 70th and Capitol. Yeah, 70th and Capitol. And uh, on Milwaukee.com, reporting that Kitts Frozen Custard, 7000 West Capitol Drive, is now for sale. Uh, This is what their story says. The listing owner says the owner is asking essentially $900,000 for the business. It includes the land. It includes all the equipment, the memorabilia, the kit's name, et cetera, et cetera. The owner apparently would like to retire. They say the stand is going to remain open while it is for sale. 
Uh, this was opened in 1952, and so you know, it, it's had you know, different owners over the years, but the sale, the stand has been there since 1952. So do the math. That's like 67 years. And now the current owner, I think the family is you know, trying to, they're, they're interested in retiring. And for, for a while, Kits was temporarily closed, I guess, for three weeks in the winter, but it reopened on March 1st. So they're, they're trying to hope that somebody comes along and, and purchases it. Um, obviously, it's it's a great business. It's got a great tradition. It's on 70th and Capital, 70th and Capital, which probably, I mean, isn't necessarily the greatest location in the world, but it's a well-established business. Now, I have been, even though I don't eat frozen custard anymore, I have obviously been to all of those places. You know, Gillis's, again, that, that was one of Bud Selig's big hangouts. That, that's where Bud always liked that place. Leon's, if you grew up on the south side, Leon's was absolutely the place to go. My late wife, Sue, she grew up on the south side, and that would be one of the treats. Um, if we were like visiting her parents when they were alive and they lived there, we would, we would find ourselves going over to Leon's. Like I say, I'm, I'm, I grew up in Glendale, so I've always kind of been a cop's kid because that's just what I was used to and growing up with. And I've been to kits from time to time too. All right. I thought, Given the fact that now you have kits on the market, we might we might go where angels fear to tread. There are some topics that I know generate a huge response and a lot of passion, like you know where's the best fish fry or where's the best corner. But I I thought I don't know as the summer is winding down and the days light hours are starting to get shorter and it's starting to get colder and I understand we start thinking about winter type of things, but. You can't have enough conversations about custard. So with the idea that, okay, Kits is now for sale, one of the four Milwaukee institutions, I thought we'd talk about where the best frozen custard is. 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. And I guess I would, you know, I, I remember when in Milwaukee, there used to be the, the three big internationally known German restaurants. You had Mater's. You had John Ernst Cafe, and you had Carl Rosh's. And, and those were, I mean, the places were packed all the time. And now Carl Rosh's is closed. You know, John Ernst Cafe is closed. So you're, you're left with, you're left with Mater's. We've had these four wonderful custard stands, you know, for forever, essentially. And now, you know, one is on the market. Now, that doesn't mean they're not going to find buyers, and it doesn't mean it's not going to stay open and continue to serve people for decades. But, all right, when it comes to frozen custard, where is your go-to place? Is it one of these four, or is it somewhere else? 414-799-1620, that is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. And I don't know, is there a place, you know, is, is all frozen custard kind of the same? Is there something else that attracts you to those locations? 414-799-1620, that is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. And if you want to buy a custard stand, you've got $800,000, $900,000 burning a hole in your pocket. I On Milwaukee's got the details. All right, back to talk about it in just a moment. If you're on the line, please hold on. This is Jeff Wagner. Back to Take Your Calls. Here's WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. I, I, 
whenever you talk about custard stands, you invoke lots of territorial disputes and lots of passion. Right? If you're just tuning in, Kit's Custard, which is the fourth oldest custard stand in this area, is on the market. They're on 70th and Capitol. They say the business is good. They say they got over a million dollars or near a million dollars a year in sales. If you've got 900 grand, you can own that. 414-799-1620. Okay, what, I, I know these are fighting words. What's the best custard stand around? Joan in New Berlin. Joan, you're on WTMJ. It's got to be Leon's. Okay, did you grow up out there, around there? Yes, I did. Okay, do you still go over there from time to time? Yeah, every once in a while, yeah. <laughs> yeah butter pecan. Butter, yeah. butter pecan. Yeah. You know, I what we used to do is, um, you know, there's that Ned's Pizza that's kind of right across the street and just down the ways a little bit. Yeah. We would go to the Ned's Pizza and we'd buy like eight or nine par-baked pizzas. You know, take them home and put them in the freezer and then go over to Leon's and have, have custard. Wonderful. Yep, that's it, the best. It is. No, thanks. And it's it's just. I mean, one of the things I love about Leon's is that it's still. It just is what it is. It, it's still the the old kind of the old timey custard stand. I don't know if they even have indoor seating. I don't see. It's been a while. I don't think I remember it. I mean, like like the cops in around on, in Glendale. You know, you can go in. There, there's at least kind of a area where you can stand in there while you're waiting for your order. 414-799-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Uh, let's see. We've got a number of texts on this, as you might expect. The best, Jeff, kits for sure. They still have the car hops, and that adds to the allure. Yeah, no question about it. The car hops are pretty good touch. Jeff, Pops in Menominee Falls. I have been there. My wife, um, my wife's a big fan of Pops. Um, in Milwaukee, I prefer Leon's, 414-799-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Let's talk to Tom in Greenfield. Hi, Tom. You're on WTMJ. How are you doing here, Jeff? I'm good. Well, I, I would have to go with uh, cops, but uh, there's, jeez, uh, um, we we also have, uh, there's a place called the Night Owl that's like uh, by Gil, uh, by uh, the packing house down there. Yeah, by, by the airport. Sure, Night yeah, Owl and Layton there. Yeah, and uh, Oscars up on Highway 100. I go to there for ice cream too. <laughs> all, all of them. Yeah, thanks. All, I mean, all of them are good. You've got the the night owl. Matter of fact, um, I, I was telling somebody about that the the other day. I was actually a couple weeks ago. We we went away for a weekend and we were on a private plane, which is a whole other story. But you know, we were waiting to meet everybody, and we were kind of like right across the street from the, the night owl. And I kept saying, you know, we we should stop in and get a couple of pints of custard to go. Four one four seven nine nine one six twenty. Let's talk to Trish on the south side. Trish, you're on WTMJ. What's your vote? Absolutely, Leon. Okay. Yeah. Are you a south side girl? Oh yeah, you obviously are. Yeah. Well, in the suburbs, Greenfield, Franklin. Okay. But one of the other things that always amuses me, you talk about nothing changing. They only take cash. Yes. <laughs> that's that's now now that you mention it, that's right. They only take they only take cash. And it, it's just that's still the same footprint, right? I don't think that's been built onto at all. N- nothing. Absolutely <laughs> no, there's been no changes. It's just there's people lined up there in January. Cash only. <laughs> oh yeah, well you you, you just got you gotta love it, and if you can make it work, you know it, it it does. So is it is is Leon's worth driving from New Berlin down there to, to get your occasional uh, fix? Absolutely. Okay, and what's the flavor that you got to get? Butter pecan. Butter pecan. Okay, thank, thanks for the call. See, this is just again, I I stopped. I, I don't remember the last time I had custard. If my doctor and my wife are listening, but um, yeah, you know that's. Uh, 
I, I still I just still like plain, you know, vanilla. Four one four seven nine nine one six twenty. A couple people are saying don't forget Culver's. Yeah. I mean Culver's is good, but Culver's is and I'm not diminishing this, you know, Culver's is the big chain. It's a different it's different than Cops and Leon's and Kits and uh Gillis's. Four one four seven nine nine one six twenty. Let's talk to Dave in West Dallas. Dave you're on WTMJ. Hi, Jeff. Hi, Dave. Hey, I've eaten at all of them. I've, uh, I'm a, I'm a senior, but Oscars is just the best to me. And my car, whenever that drive by and it says chocolate malt whopper <laughs> supreme, my car automatically turns in. Right. You, you don't, right. You, you don't need to get like the, email blast or anything like that if you're driving down highway 100 your car just knows chocolate blast supreme chocolate supreme huh that's right it pulls right in it's all automatic it's yeah i that. i you know it, it's funny Thank, i have a i have a very very dear friend who loves cops butter pecan i used to live sort of down the street i mean i used to live in the area of cops not so much anymore but my instructions were always hey if you're ever driving past and you've got a minute and they've got the butter pecan would you pull in and get a quart of that and then drop it off 414-799-1620 let's talk to donna in colgate hi donna you're on wtmj hi i wanted to report that roberts in germantown is a hidden gem it never seems to get mentioned, but they have wonderful custard. Okay, we're in. I'm trying to picture this, and I'm, I'm sure I've probably been there. Where Where in Germantown is it? Where in Germantown? It is on Mequon Road. Oh, between um, just west of Pilgrim Road. Oh, okay. I'm sure I I'm, I am sure I have been there. And the thing to get is just the ice cream, the frozen custard. Oh, they have burgers, wonderful burgers, wraps, um, wonderful fish fry. It's a great. Uh, family-owned business and Roberts or the owner of Roberts Darren he contributes so much to the Germantown community yeah and that's see that's the other thing about these local custard stands and all that you just absolutely love to see because you know they are a part of of the community it's not taken away from chain restaurants or anything like that but they're you know they're their business comes from you know the people stopping by on those you know hot summer nights and buying the ice cream right Right, and right. during the summer nights, at their closing time, they're actually open an extra 10 minutes longer to make sure everybody can get their customers. <laughs> Got it. Thanks, Nicole. Right. Once you're in, it's kind of like voting. Once you're in line, we're not going to toss you out. Anne in Delafield. Hi, Anne. You're in WTMJ. Hi. Hi. Uh, great place out in Pewaukee called uh, Bubba's. Been there on many, occasion, on many occasions. My brother lives out there. Yep. Yeah, it's fantastic. And I have to just add quickly, as a former uh, Nicolay grad, too. A uh, great place to drive to way back when was the Pig and Whistle on Capitol. Yeah, I, I'm now see it's it's interesting because when I was at Nicolay, all all my classmates hung out at the Milky Way, which is where the cops is now, yeah. and all the Shorewood kids and the Mesmer kids hung out at the, the Pig and Whistle. So I I didn't come to the Pig and Whistle until like later in life, but I I you know I miss that. That's that's just that's Kitty Corner from where we are now, and they they tore it down, and then they made it a Greek restaurant. Now it's a right, assisted right. living facility. I miss well, that location. <laughs> yeah, we used to go as kids uh, in high school. We go to Barbieri's. Sure. On uh, Port Washington Road, and then we'd follow that up with custard at Pick and Whistle. <laughs> <laughs> those, those were the days, huh? Those were the 
the days. Yeah, that, thanks for the call. Yes, those were the days. Um, Jeff, uh, Culver's is a chain because it's good. Um, yeah, and it's and it went viral. Yeah, that. I, and like, I'm I'm not anti Culver's at all. I mean, matter of fact, I think Culver's does a really really good job um let's see jeff i wonder how much business cops gets from standing orders my family has a few standing orders among ourselves yeah that's there's no question about that let's talk to scott in win in waterford scott you're on wtmj hey jeff how are you doing today i am well thank you okay now we were talking about the big four the oldest four custard stands but there's other ones out there that you love as well Oh, absolutely. And uh, Adrian's in Burlington is by far, for me anyways, <laughs> the best custard anywhere. I mean, I don't think anyone could beat it. Okay, and, and you've sampled custard all over the area, and Adrian's is it, huh? Oh, yeah. I, I'm telling you, if you're a custard lover, you need to take the drive out to Burlington. Um, they'll be closing here at the end of the month uh, for the winter, but I'm going to tell you, they have a lot of different flavors. I just like custard. I'm kind of like you. <laughs> I, I, I just like we just have a hot pot Sunday, me and my wife, and we yeah. we split it. We split it every time we go there. In the summer, we go there about twice a week. But, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, it works. Uh, it's, it's awesome. Yeah. What's it the is. What's the hamburger? The name of the? I always forget this. The name of the? Right as you go over the bridge into Burlington, there's the hamburger place on the. Yeah. Fred. On the. What What's the name of it? Fred's. 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 Yes. Right. I. <laughs> okay. So when I go down, check out that big hamburger at Fred's, and then I got to go over to Adrian's Custard. That's yep, the That's the plan. Absolutely. Okay. That's, yep. Thank, that's okay. The, I appreciate that. Weekend run. You uh, bet. Okay. And if and if my doctor and my wife are listening, I, it just I, I'm kidding. No, I'm not actually kidding. That sounds great. Four one four seven nine nine one six twenty. Cindy in New Berlin. Cindy, you're on WTMJ. Hello. Hello. Hi. Okay. The place I got to go for the best custard. I would have to say Leduc's. It's on. I think it's eighty three on the way to Delafield or okay. Milwaukee. Um, it's really an old place. They have. Super fresh pecan, uh-huh. super great food. Oh, it's not huge, but that place is always packed. Yeah, it's hard to get a parking spot. Well, that tells you, you know that that tells you the really good places, you know. But when when that they are always packed, you know, and just because that that tells you locals know where the good stuff is. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. No. Okay. All right. And by I'm, the way, he was he was right with Fred's and Adrian's. I, I <laughs> grew up in that area. And I honestly, that is honestly one of the better ones too. Yeah, and I, it's, I always remember Fred's because it's that great burger place, and I can, yeah. I, for some reason, I have a mi- mental block as to what the name of it. Because I, I know exactly where it is as you go over that bridge, uh, and it's just on the east side of the street there. Thanks for the call, I appreciate it. Thanks for the tip. Uh, okay, now see, a number of my texters are saying you, you can't just ask about like one frozen custard place because it all depends. For example, Valerie in West Bend says if you want the best butter pecan you go to leon's if you want the best chocolate you go to oscars and if you want tiramisu you go to cops okay well there you go you got all those different choices let's talk to jewel in waukesha hi jewel you're on wtmj hi jeff okay where do you go what's the best place for for custard the kilty in oconomowoc i went there as a child and now i take my grandchildren (laughs) yeah I have been there as well. I've been to all these different places, but it's so that that's your go-to place. That's our go-to. They have the car hops. It's seasonal, so they sure. will be closing shortly. But in the summertime, it is packed. The cars are parked three deep. I love the I love the car hop stuff. That that's just that is a complete and total throwback to a simpler time. 
It's Love it. so great. And they are cash only as well. <laughs> yeah. So so be prepared, right, for a number of my colleagues, particularly my younger colleagues who aren't familiar, or my producer included, who aren't familiar with this concept of, like, cash only. There are places that, you know, still exist, lots of custard stands, where if you want it, don't bother with the credit cards. Hey, when we come back, we're going to find out what Eric and Melissa have on their minds. Fun conversation. Sorry, we had jam phone lines, couldn't get to everybody. This is Jeff Wagner.